Welcome to episode 773 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Welcome to episode 773 of I Am Talk of Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. I was take three. Yeah, it is take three. So <laughs> look forward to a good show, Bevan. We're going to be on fire. We've, we've had Zoom problems this morning. Luckily, we've only kind of gone five minutes on each take. It hasn't been an hour taken even to start again, but we're on we're on fire now, John. Um, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by our awesome patrons, Catherine the Terrier Floodquist. We've got Paul the Butcher Hellings. Mark the Missile Scudamore. And then Michael the uh, Sylvester Parrot. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got Hot Topic of the Week. We've got Pro of the Week. We've got an interview. We are talking with Max Newman, who was actually last week's Pro of the Week. Uh, we had that out. And Andrew Charles, who lives in Australia, you would have heard on the show many times before on Epic Camps. Uh, he said, I know Max, so I'll line him up and we should be talking to him later on in the show. Good old Charlesy, and uh, questions and answers, winger of the week at the end as well. John, we had a big race happen in Spain, and where was it in Spain? Where it was near Girona. Girona is where all the athletes hang out nowadays. Uh, the trade-in international triathlon in Spain was a full-distance race. Um, as we said in take two of our three takes, uh, surprisingly Cameron Worth didn't take it out. No, because he showed, you know, pre-COVID that he's a contender at any race that he goes to. Uh, Kona, he showed that he can run uh, and we know how well he can bike. Um, he only rode a 4.45 on this course, which was still the fastest bike ride. But when someone's riding a 4.45 of his calibre, it shows that the course must have been extremely tough. There was only one other athlete by the look of it that went under five hours. That was Sam Laidlow, who won the race. He swam a 48.45, rode a 4.52 and ran a 2.54 um, to win in an 8.41. Second place was Victor Bulgaro. Um, he came home in a 2.40. Yeah. So he had uh, quite the deficit after the swim and the bike, uh, but ran himself up to second, so good on him. Just managing to take out Morton Olsen, who also ran a 2.40. Uh, so two very fast runs for second and third place. Cameron Worth was only in third place with a 3.08 marathon. Sorry, fifth place with a 3.08 marathon. Uh, lots of DNFs in this race, just for whatever reason on the men's side. I'm going to say the field. I think it's about 50, 60 athletes, but yeah, like, mm. yeah, nearly, nearly half the field didn't finish. Yeah, and so... Yeah, a lot of DNFs, including um, one of the favourites, Yaroslav uh, Kovacic. Um, but anyway, we'll talk about the winners on the female side, Emma Bellum, who we spoke to a while ago when she was at Challenge Wanaka. Uh, she swam 56, rode a 5.30 and ran a very impressive 2.58 for an 8.32, winning by five minutes um, over Judith uh, cochran Vakera and Nikki Bartlett in third, another two minutes back. So pretty close racing on the female side of things. And... My pick from last week was Chantal Cummings, I think doing her first iron distance race, at least as a pro. Uh, she came home in fourth place in 10.09. It was a PTO-supported event, which meant uh, they got boosted uh, prize money at the, at the event. Uh, so good work, all you guys. Sam Laidlow, only a young fellow. I think he's only 22, uh, yes. and winning his first iron distance race. So good on him. 
big future in front of them. Uh, John, just with the, with the PTO helping out with money, I just had a thought here. Do you think race directors will start to kind of maybe think, well, why would I put money in if PTO is going to put money in? Well, I think there's generally a boost of money. So I'm not sure exactly how much money this race had already guaranteed. Just from memory last week, I think it might have been 30,000 or something euros that they were putting in and then the PTO was putting in another 15. So I think there will, I imagine there'll need to be some sort of commitment from the race organizers. But yeah, I kind of would have thought given there's more and more racing happening now um, that we might have seen that sort of start to dry up. But I saw an announcement this week. I think it was a race in the UK and Eton Dorney, I think it was, or something like that, where they're supporting another race in Great Britain where racing is starting to happen again. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much longer it continues when we are seeing racing in in many parts of the world now. So another race we had was uh, Challenge St. Poulton. And interestingly, Keenlay, it was, it was only half, but Keenlay only pulled off ninth place. Yeah, very close off the bike um, for second through to about 500th place. I've, I, I saw a tiny <laughs> clip. I, I saw a little clip this morning, and I've never seen a pack come off the bike uh, like it before. There was there must have been at least 20 or so in, in a pack that came off. But they had, been, they had had their pants pulled down in a gigantic, gigantic way by frederick funk yeah, who incidentally rides a cute bike so that maybe will be oh, part the of the reason he rode a 202 53 and the rest of the crew were all riding 209 210 211 so he just destroyed them on the bike uh, and then ran a 111 um, and still had a solid run because like, when you look at all the other run times thomas steger did a 108 107 was a one one or two people under the 110 but basically everyone else was kind of around 110 so he, it wasn't like he kind of smacked the bike and cruised or, or struggled in the run he was actually pretty solid in the run as well he was so um i don't know what the hell was going there must have been i don't know what was going on but magnus ditlev who we had on the show a few weeks ago has been really impressive he only wrote a 212 so i'm not quite sure what happened there but shows the guy can run he did say he can run uh he's ran a 109.58 so when he puts in a big bike leg uh look out for him crushing it so that was uh an interesting some interesting results there and the female side uh equally interesting because it came down to the last 200 meters imogen simons had been um leading uh and haug had a penalty again her second penalty she had her first one at the challenge race which she couldn't quite close the gap down of one of those uh, raceway ones in america she also got covered at uh i think it was challenge miami when she was she was due to be racing but she caught imogen simons who is a legit 70.3 athlete uh with 200 meters to go and just pipped her at the post uh so ann haug took that out with a 114 half marathon imogen simons was second and mayor stage nelson just pipped out laura sadell for third they both basically ran more or less the same runtime and laura sadell was only 10 seconds behind uh in fourth place so good to see sid back racing uh, we also had another race. There was Perrine X Tri. Uh, the Perrine X Tri. I couldn't find the results anywhere. It was oh. one of these um, cross triathlons. Uh, it looked like they had typical sort of fashion. They only had a small field by the look of it, but a very epic course in the Pyrenees uh, on the Spanish side of the border. So well done. It looked like mostly Spanish athletes. And I couldn't decipher any results, but if you did that race, good on you. Okay, so we now move on to this weekend's race. And big race to come out this weekend. It's Australasian Championship, $100,000 US paydays, paying 10 deep. And uh, 
obviously pretty much Australia, New Zealand field in both the male and female. You've got a couple of randoms in there as well. But just looking back, John, when it first started, that's where Mecca won the first year. So it's interesting. Mecca and Keat won it back in 2011. So I kind of, when did Mecca kind of pull up, pull up his boots? When did he retire? Uh, I'm not quite sure, but what I was going to say about that first year or two, uh, at least the first year, it was a challenge race. Um, so that was, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I can't remember when Macca sort of. It was around uh, that time, drew. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that might've been his last big win. Um, but anyway, this weekend coming up, we've got a pretty strong field again, kind of Kiwi Australian focused. Uh, what do you reckon is going to happen, Jombo? Uh, Max Newman is defending champion. He, uh, did his first race there last year and won it in very impressive fashion and he is uh, predicted to, to come home with the W in front of Mike Phillips with Tim Van Berkel, Josh Amberger, Levi Maxwell, Mac Bur uh, Matt Burton, Tim Reid, David Dallow, Cameron Brown, Ben Phillips uh, being yeah. top 10 seats so pretty pretty solid field. Fingers crossed I feel for the Aussies because um, there's been another lockdown in Melbourne which is one of the main cities in Australia and I think it's due to finish probably on thursday or friday so fingers crossed if you're in melbourne you can actually make it up to the race hope you can uh on the female side pretty compact little field uh, amelia watkinson is seated number one with the renee kylie uh and kylie simpson and rebecca clark seated fourth are there so i think amelia watkinson already kind of qualified um i reckon she's gonna dominate the dojo there so kansas is always a good race Good, good money, and uh, yeah, for a lot of athletes, going to be quite a good chance to qualify for Kona because a number of athletes have already qualified um, because their slots were rolled over from last year. So, good opportunity to get get a Kona ticket. What um, who do you reckon is going to take out the men's? I am going to go with Mac, Mike Phillips, but just because. Even though we've got Max Newman on today's show, and I want him to do extremely well, Mike's from Christchurch, and I want him to smoke it. We've got the X-Try coming up as well. Triathlon X is happening in the UK as well. It looks like it's another crazy race. They're becoming more and more popular, aren't they? It's like every week we seem to have one of these nowadays. Yeah, so this is up in the Lake District in the UK, which is in the area where I lived uh, for, a, for a summer. And they go up the Struggle, the Hosen uh, Tour, uh, which apparently is 215% gradient. Uh, there's a bit of a typo on here, but they also go over the, a hard knock climb, uh, which is 33% uh, uh, peak gradient. So very, very tough bike ride, 180 kilometers with 3,700 meters or 12,000 feet of climbing. And then on the on the run, they run up Scarfell Pike, which is a mixture of road and mountain running, and they gain 1,450 meters on the run. Last year, to put this in perspective, the first athlete, they did 14 hours and four minutes. Mm. Uh, so they swam an hour two, bike time was go about 7.36, and the run time was 5.18. So that's well, a pretty big day. It's not just that the fastest person, the slowest person was 20 hours and 37 minutes. And I'd say only maybe just under two thirds of the field actually finished the race as well. So this seems like a pretty epic challenge. So it's good. To, another race we have is happening in the UK is the UK Ultimate Triathlon Full Distance Race. Uh, anything on this one, Jombo? No, it looks like a pretty straightforward race, that one. Uh, so plenty of action happening in the UK at the moment. Okay, John's eye to your update. update. Uh, Jonathan Brownlee wins the World Cup. He did. And we've been talking about down. 
we have been talking him down, and this is a race he probably should have won based on the field there. There's a few few good names in there. You had uh, Mario Mola, who has not been in good form since he's come back. Uh, he ended up in third, and Christian Blumenfeld racing his third week race in three weeks. Uh, he was only in seventh place, but good to see Jonathan Brownlee um, take the win, and hopefully it gives him some confidence going into the Olympics because he's a champion athlete, and you never want to see uh, somebody sort of fade when they're coming. Oh, he's not. I mean, he's probably coming towards the end of his um, sort of short course career, um, but hopefully he'll go well at the Olympics if it happens. Uh, so that was good to see. On the female side, we didn't necessarily have any um, massive big names in there, um, but you had Marlene Gomez Isinger take that out. One other thing I will say on the men's side, which is quite the conundrum, Bevan, is the, the saga of the UK selection for the men's race. Uh, Alistair Brownlee was actually racing at the weekend. I was excited to see how he was going to go. He ended up DNFing, but what he did do on the bike, I watched a very small bit of the highlights package that they put out there. There was another guy in the race called Tom Bishop, who's from the UK as well. And Tom Bishop is trying to get the UK the third Olympic qualifying spot, because if he goes really, really well, they might get a third spot. However, if they do, it's probably going to go to Alistair Brownlee. So it's kind of an interesting uh, spot. He (laughs) he, He fell off his bike, it crashed in the group, and then... Alistair Brownlee was actually there waiting for him to try to drag him back up. Obviously wasn't successful in doing so, but that's a a really interesting dynamic if you're trying to qualify a spot for the country and chances are if you did that, you're not actually going to get it yourself. How motivated would you be? You know, because it is interesting because really you're going to, you know, the carrot's not there for you, is it? You know, it's that thing of if if you know that the best you can do is qualify somebody else, Mm. how motivated are you going to be? It would really give you that extra edge, but I suppose for these pro athletes, when you're lining up at a race, you know that would be part of the equation. But at the end of the day, if you're lining up a race, you want to going to go, going to go really, really well. And he's a he's a quality athlete, uh, so he I'd say he'd want to be at the front of the race, race regardless. Um, what needs but, to happen for them to get the third slot? Well, they've got a little bit of a battle on with America, and I'm pretty sure America in front of them. Uh, a lot is going to depend on what happens this weekend. But so, say for example, this weekend, Alistair Brownlee pulls one out of the box and, and ends up winning the the race that's coming up this weekend. That's still not going to improve his ranking uh, enough to qualify Great Britain a spot. It has to be Tom Bishop, who's their oh. next highest ranked athlete. So it's got to be him that's got to do <laughs> got to do the business. So yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting. Uh, so so Alistair, the best he can do is be. A domestic for him this weekend pretty much but then yeah it is so gonna be this weekend you've led on nicely Bevan because this weekend Leeds. is the Leeds it's the next round of the World Triathlon Series and I'm pretty excited about it because on the female side of it Lucy Charles is going to be racing for the first time she's ever done one of these races like she, I don't even know if she's done a world cup or anything like that um, but this is the top level and this is a quality field so I'm really excited to see how she goes and also excited to see Flora Duffy because she did uh, the Tokyo test event last year which was a return after a long break um, through injury and other things and then on the men's side it's pretty much a world championship field except for Mario Mola and Hayden Wilde is going to be making his return which us Kiwis are very excited about out because he's been running super super fast and now we want to see if he can transfer that across to actually doing a fast triathlon so well, it's going to be an awesome race i know because we, we actually recorded last next week's show before this week's show this week just because the way life's worked but 
Uh, you predict Lucy Charles is going to pull off what in this race? I, well, a lot will depend on how the race pans out, but there's enough good swimmers in there. If she swims smart, you know, and doesn't just try to, because she, she could swim away from this field. She's in, in an Olympic distance race. She's still going to be the fastest swimmer, but not a crazy, crazy amount like she is in Ironman. Like in Ironman, she might have a, a five minute lead on the next swimmers. And in, in this race here, Yes, she's probably going to be far first out of the swim, but if she swims strategically and is able, was somehow able to string the field out and pull a few other females with her, then she could um, get a breakaway on the bike. And if that happens, she's a beast on the bike, and there's several other beast athletes uh, in that are really, really good swimmers, and they could get away. And if they get away, I don't think she'll outrun them, but uh, then I think she could do, you know, a top ten and. Um, potentially even a top five but i'd say somewhere in that sort of five to ten range depending on how big that group is so i think she's got the potential to do very very well if it comes down to a running race i don't think she'll do particularly well um but yeah i think a, a breakaway is reasonably likely in the women's field is she the best iron met distance athlete who could compete in i in world triathlon level racing now you know like the, how many other iron man focused you know, because you can look at some of the 70.3 guys who are doing a bit of short course, maybe the occasional Ironman, but she's total Ironman. Um, is she the best example of, of someone who could pull up to an, a, a world triathlon race and do the best, if you know what I mean? Uh I think she's probably the only one of the only athletes that can do that purely because she can swim. So she's she's a good runner, and there's no doubting that. But uh, being a good runner and being a good ITU runner is next level. So she she is completely dependent on a, on a breakaway. Uh, if it comes down to a running race, yeah, she still do okay, but she's not going to be winning uh, ITU races or getting in the top three. Uh, running's not as at the same caliber as those uh, top ITU females. Maybe it could be if she really really focused on it. Uh, I haven't got too many doubts there, but at the moment, uh, the others are, are probably a couple of steps above her. But then again, she'll probably go and prove me wrong, and it'll probably come down to running race, and she'll probably do really well. But I, I think she needs a breakaway. Why is she doing this? Uh, it's an interesting question. Probably just because she can. It's it's at home. It's on home home turf. She's for some reason she's they've they've been able to give her a start. Maybe they get some bonus um, slots on the start line, giving her the host nation. Um, but she can't qualify for the Olympics because uh, that that ship's already sailed and they've already selected all their female team. So it's more just a case of can she do it? I think it's I think it's a really good thing to, to be doing it. Um, Kona's a long long way off, and she's you know I think doing some short course stuff may well hope help her Kona performance you know if she wants to win Kona she's got to run a little bit quicker you know the swim's there and the bike's basically there um, but she's just got to improve that run a bit and doing some short course I think is a good way to do that okay good stuff we'll be interested to see how she gets along this weekend okay guys uh, let's look at pro of the week, of the week. and uh, we're just we're choosing number 60 ranked athlete in both the male and female athletes for the PTO rankings and in the mail, we'll go female first, John. Female first, Lauren Brandon is a name that we hear a lot um, because she's such an awesome swimmer and she's probably one person she can. 
she can just hang on to Lucy Charles. Um, sometimes, not always, but in Kona or in, in any new race where Lucy Charles is not racing, uh, you'll generally see Lauren Brandon and getting quite a bit of coverage because she's at the front of the race and she's a good biker. Um, she's not so great on the run. Um, to give you her stats, she's currently ranked 61 in the rankings. Uh, her weight's 60 kgs. She's 172. So she's 36 years old. Um, she found her passion for triathlon at a bit of a later stage in life, uh, but she's winning a host of accolades since she came into the sport in 2010. She's a former NCAA All-American swimmer from the, the University of Nebraska and started her sort of triathlon career in 2015, switched over to Ironman in 2016. Uh, and some of her results in 2021, she hasn't, she's only done a 70.3, which she DNF'd at. Last year, she did Challenge Daytona, um, but then we go back to other races. In 2019, she won Ironman Boulder, good on her, with an 8.56. Uh, she finished second in the Gulf Coast, 70.3. In Hawaii, she faded to 31st, finished fifth in Arizona. So, had a pretty full on year racing. She did fourth at Ironman South Africa. So, she did one, two, three, four Ironmans in 20. 2019. Uh, in terms of her race wins, she's won Boulder, she's won 70.3 in Ecuador of all places uh, and so she's pretty pretty well travelled, yet to kind of make it at Hawaii yet, so in terms of her last few Hawaii's, finished 31st in 2019, uh, DNF'd in 2018, uh, the year before 2017, she finished 26th um, so, and then the year before that, she didn't race. So, yeah, so, you know, it's a name you're going to see out there a lot. Awesome swimmer, solid on the bike. Needs to keep improving on that run, but um, when you sort of dig below the surface, she has got some good results. In well, there one thing, well. if you go to the PTO stats page, <coughs> excuse me, um, when you look at the different segments of the race, so they have the overall ranking, but they also have segments for swim, bike, and run. And if we look at since 2015 in the swim, she's pretty much top three in the sport. She's actually been the number one ranked athlete in the sport for swimming for four years. So she's obviously a very good swimmer. And when it comes to biking within the overall of the pros, she kind of sits in that kind of 20 range. But then when it comes to running, she's like 200. So, you know, there's a big, big gap in her kind of game for her to get that next level because if she could put a run together, she'd be pretty competitive at that next level. And she's, she's slowly improving on the running. So, again, if we look at her rankings, in 2015, she was 265 on the running, went to 230, 197, 188, 177. So up to up to sort of lockdown time, um, it was just slowly improving. So I think she probably just needs to bike a little bit easier and leave a bit more juice in the tank for that run so that's lauren brandon on the men's side in terms of who was ranked uh he's now ranked 61 so somebody's jumped uh, over the top of him there's a guy paul rutman i've got very little information on paul i tried to dig i couldn't find too much on him but he looks like he is uh an ex-rower um, he's 35 years old, so and he hasn't been in the game for a particularly long time. Uh, his results started in 2016 with a sixth place at, uh, at 70.3 Austria. Um, he DNF'd at the weekend in St. Poulton, finished eighth in St. George. So that's a pretty solid result uh, where he went uh, 2201 on the bike and finished in 340. 
three, finished 10th in Dubai. And when we look back at uh, 2019, uh, he had a sixth and a fourth at some 70.3, sixth at Ironman Austria, um, yet to make it to the Big Island. So usually only doing a, a handful of races. He looks like he is um, not... Um, yeah, he's, I think he's got a family. I saw some pictures with the kids and stuff like that. So that's your 61st ranked male, Paul Ruckman from Austria. And yeah, just, just one interesting point. If, if these both athletes are ranked at 60, she seems like she's a higher level athlete than he is, which I find interesting because I would have said, you know, when you look at her results in racing, she's had a more successful career and she's probably, you, you'd think, you know, look at her positions. She's swimming, she's number one or two. You know, swimming pool. Uh, what is it? Is it pool? Your pool's kind of around high up in this. Who's like six hundred? Spiking. He's like you can't really count this year. So he's normally in the hundreds, and it's running. Mm. is kind of normally kind of in the hundreds and the two hundreds. It's interesting. If you'd ask me, it's sixtieth ranking male and female. You'd think mm. you'd be a much stronger male. But yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting observation. You know, we can't, just, we can't doubt Torsten's stats. I think yeah. they're pretty, yeah. But no, I would agree. I think probably what pulled Lauren Brandon down a bit is some, some poor results like Hawaii when she's finishing in 31st, whereas Paul doesn't look like he's got any shockers. You know, his, his numbers are always sort of between 4 and 15 or so or, you know, in that sort of ballpark, whereas Lauren Brandon's numbers are usually quite high. You know, again, look at her 2019 results. She's got a 5, a 1, 2, a four and a three uh so she's got the full set there she's got a first a second a third a fourth a fifth a ninth and then a 31st um it also depends on the strength of the field you know she's going off and doing some races like um you know 70.3 Campeche and maybe that doesn't have a very strong field so the strength of the field matters quite a bit as well uh, and I think probably those Hawaii results pull her ranking down a bit that would be my assumptions. There we go. Okay, Jombo, uh, let's go to our interview. We've got an interview coming up. We are going to be talking with Max Newman, who is racing the Ironman Cairns this weekend. He's a defending champion. So we'll find out about last year. We'll find out about what he's got planned for this year. But he's an exciting young talent. Here is Max right now. Righto team, you will have heard earlier in the show, uh, we were going to have Max Newman on and he is with us now. He was a winner of Ironman Cairns last year uh, in his first Iron Distance race, I think it was, and he's back to defend that title. So welcome along to the show, Max. Thank you very much for having me. Um, we've got some inside gossip on you from, from Andrew Charles, whom you know, and he was telling me a few little stories. Uh, one of them was um, your family are quite into, into sort of outdoor exploits so, so give us a bit of background of your family and um and what you were sort of doing as you came into the world of triathlon yeah so i guess we sort of um live out in quite a rural area so we all um lived on like 40 acres outside of brisbane so i guess our family was always sort of like outdoors and uh we sort of started doing i was just doing cross-country running and we we're all um sort of actually doing orienteering which is like a navigational um you run through the bush with maps and stuff like that so we sort of all got into that and then uh yeah i guess it was just like a natural progression i think you just try and find something that's harder and harder and harder until you <laughs> until you stumble across one with like triathlon which is like uh it's as brutal as it gets i guess so um yeah i mean not nothing really like the family was all supportive behind all of us and um i guess it's just 
just naturally fell into the sport and uh here we are like 15 years later still doing it so and, and do your parents pretty cool uh, i think it's pretty cool to have you racing as a pro or they rather you're sort of sporty and active but follow maybe a slightly more secure pastime no absolutely not they, they that was the point anything anything we did we, we there's four of us so um my sister's a police officer um one of my, my brother's my coach um <laughs> Yeah. And my other brother just works as a real estate agent. So a pretty broad uh, <laughs> broad range of skills. Um, but, I mean, no, nah, they're supportive of anything we do. Um, so, And I, I guess when you start making an actual decent living out of the sport, it's, uh, <laughs> you can sort of, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, like a, it's like a job anyway. So, um, yeah, and you get, you, just, you get a lot more rewards out of this sport than I guess a, a normal normal office job so yeah cool now, i believe you're one of the middle children and um i was at a comedy show the, at the weekend and it always sounds like the first child they parents kind of are trying to find their way the last child and i'm a last child they're the kind of you just kind of get free free range no one cares, no one cares. You're, one of the, you're one of the middle <laughs> ones um i've got to ask uh, about having your brother as a coach you know we've had pete, mm. pete pros on the show before talking about maybe their partners coaching them a lot of people maybe have had their parents coaching them but i have don't i think this is the first time i've come across somebody who's had a sibling that coaching that coaches them so maybe talk us a, a bit about that relationship how it came about and how it kind of works yeah well um so i've sort of had i've had a couple of coaches um in my in my career i mean i've done been through the itu tried that as a junior i would have gone through at least three or four coaches there um and it's just i think it's just finding someone who i think as an athlete everyone's completely different when it comes to um what they need um as an athlete so like some people i know love just being told like exactly what to do and they'll just follow follow exactly what they're told to do whereas other people i think like to have a, a bit of control over over what they do and i guess when you've spent 10 15 years being coached you do pick up a a lot along the way and sometimes i find if you you pick up what works for you and then if you're still with a coach that's telling you what to do and um it's not working for you i just don't see I don't see any benefit in that. So I guess I've figured out what's what's worked for me. Um, and yeah, I, I find with my brother we can we can pretty much figure out exactly what uh, works for me and it's very relaxed, very relaxed like coaching athlete relationship. So like he's he's basically like a cyclist, obsessed with cycling. Um, he was a little <laughs> He was a good cyclist when he was when he was actually racing, um, but now he's just not doing too much um, cycling. But like he's obsessed with the cycling side of the sport, so um, I think it's exactly what you sort of need in Ironman racing at the moment with the with the the level of biking just absolutely skyrocketing in the last couple of years. Um, you got to be able to you got to have bike legs, or you're never ever gonna never gonna be competitive on the world stage. So um we we have a big focus on the on the bike um and i mean it sort of only came around this coaching me and him getting together after covid basically um when there was no racing on and we we're sort of just i was just sort of in a lull and i was just sort of looking for a challenge so we're just like 
I left my other coach and we were just like, screw it. We'll just, we'll just give it an Ironman a crack. Um, and we just spent six months focusing on Ironman cans. And, uh, yeah, like that turned out pretty good. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, still going, we're still going together. So um, hopefully focusing on cane in the next, next three or four years and see how we go there. In any major sort of blow-ups, like um, <laughs> brother, I don't know what, some brothers have, uh, yeah. you know, really intense relationships. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, sisters, they're sometimes a little, little more friendly, sometimes worse. But yeah. do, how, how do you sort of manage conflict um, when it's your brother? Yeah, I mean, we've had our moments for sure. <laughs> um, but I find, like, I, I just find it works works pretty well. Like, we, um, we're we all pretty close uh, family. So, um, like, he understands that he's still learning the sport of triathlon. He understands that, um, like, he understands that I have, a, like, a fairly knowledgeable sort of thing in triathlon so we sort of like work together in that and he understands that i got that and he he works on the cycling part um and then he's he's also learned as well i think he also wants to learn the basics of uh what it takes to be a professional triathlon coach or a cycling um ds or something like that so yeah i mean we've we haven't had any blow-ups yet so um i think it would just take a <laughs> a few bad results though and i'm sure that it would uh <laughs> It would naturally happen, but um, now nah, we get along along really well, and uh, yeah, I think um, over the next couple of years, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a nice, good, solid relationship. If we look at your results, you know, going back, you know, 2018, 2019, um, you, you've had some really good results. And, and there's a couple of two questions I have here. One is which one are you most proudest of? But you're a really good case of COVID must have been so frustrating for you because, you know, you look into the back half of 2019, you, you know, you had three wins, a second in Taupo, 70.3, fourth at Noosa. You know, you're having a really strong second half of 2019. COVID comes along, you come along, you win Ken's, you know, like, First of all, what what race are you proudest of? And emotionally, has it been tough for you because you're obviously going to that next level in your career, and it's been this big kind of thing yeah. that stopped your I progress. I think, yeah, at, at this sort of age, I'm like 26 now, and it's like the absolute where you want to start hitting your prime, sort of the next four or four years. Mm. And yeah, like I haven't actually raced a world championship as of yet, so this was it would have been my first year in 2020 that I would have actually gone because. I feel like I wouldn't have gone to Worlds unless I was prepared to be on the podium. Like, I was in that shape. So, I was never really there until I felt like last year I could have built up to that. So, yeah, absolutely. It's it's frustrating. I think a lot of people in the, are in the same boat and you're going to see a lot of people's careers end because of COVID. Um, but also, I think you're going to see a lot of people's careers, yeah, uh, go, go through the roof. So, I mean... I think we've we've managed it okay. Um, the fact that I wasn't really planning to do an Ironman until like I was about thirty, so <laughs> um, yeah, to do it about oh, really? to do it now and to have an actual like a day that just felt like it it was unbelievably hot, but it felt like it was just a tra- like a cruisy training day. Um, just it was it was one of those days where you just like everything just absolutely work to the T like nothing went 
really too badly wrong, except for missing a couple of water stations in the first bit of the bike. But apart from that, Kansas probably probably one of the more perfect days I've ever had in my career. And I'd probably say that would probably be my highlight. Um, just because of the fact that it's just ex- executed so well. It just felt felt like just tapping through it, nothing too too hard, which is just not what I not what we planned. We were planning to go to the absolute well. So to have a day like that is um yeah, that would be probably my most my most proud result, I think, of my career. So You've jinxed yourself now. You've had that perfect first race. Now you're going to be searching for it again. But, but I mean, yeah. um, I think it happens a fair bit, though. To be honest, I think a lot of people have a good race their first one because they just don't know what to expect, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not entirely true because a lot of people blow up thinking yeah, it's going to be easy. So you're you're, yeah. you're pretty yeah, wise. I guess if actually. you prepare for the worst, it can't be worse than like going to the absolute well. So if you prepare for the worst, it's only going to get better, I guess. So, I mean, I, I don't recall seeing any co- race coverage of last year's race, but it looks like mm. you kind of, you, you came off the bike with the likes of uh, Tim Burkle um, and so, and then kind of just took it on the run. So maybe just sort of talk us through the race. Mm. Uh, I mean, so you said you felt great, but when did you actually yeah. sort of take the lead and, and uh, have the race sort of pan out from the way you saw it? Yeah. Yes. So it was a September race, so it was... I think it would have to have been 36 degrees out there on the run course with like probably 98% humidity. Mm. It was, people are saying it's the most brutal conditions I've ever, <laughs> ever had in the sport. Um, so, and we were in wetsuits because of the jellyfish um, up there. Yeah. So we started the race in wetsuits in like 27 oh, yeah. degree water. Oh, it's horrible. Um, so we were all, you literally couldn't swim fast because your core temperature was just, just gone through a roof. So um, I was just sitting on Amberger's Amberger's feet and um, the swim felt quite cruisy, but I think everyone underestimated how much water you lost, how much sweat you lost in that wetsuit swim. So um, with COVID, they didn't have that many aid stations on the bike. And they were about 35K, 40K gaps mm. in between the aid station. And there was no wind on the bike course and – my, it took me it took me over 90 k's to get my legs and my get back hydrated um so i felt not great the first 90 k's and um i remember hamburger getting quite frustrated um because we had a bit of a gap on the next group with reedy and burkle so we were like he wanted to get moving but i <laughs> i was like mate i don't want to i can't risk going into the red zone and potentially blowing up here so i sort of held back and um, just got a lot of water down. Um, and then, yeah, Amberger went. We had pretty good legs, um, but I just decided to sit back because I knew the next group was coming to get us with Amber, uh, Reedy and Burkle. And, uh, yeah, then I just sat in for the last, I don't know, 90-odd K um, coming into town. Um, and I think Amberger had about a minute 40 or something like that. Um, and I felt pretty good jumping off the bike. And then, yeah, I did a quick kit change uh, into a nice two-piece because it was incredibly hot, which I think was a great idea. Um, yeah, and then on to the run and, yeah, I started feel I started feeling absolutely in- incredible on the start of the run. Like, I think I was coming out about 315Ks. <laughs> and, yeah, and I was just like, I've got to really, really, like, stop. We've got to go to about 340s. 340s is the quickest, I think, um, in that sort of weather. So... 
Yeah, I, I felt pretty controlled until maybe I had a, maybe a little bad patch around like the 30K mark, which I think everyone sort of does. Um, and then from about 36 till the end, I felt pretty good. Like it was... <laughs> I, I think I think the main reason I had I always had a little bottle in my um, in my suit just a water bottle just so you could hydrate between age stations because it was that brutally hot. Um, I think that made a, a fair difference. Um, just having constant access to water, um, but yeah, all around it was quite a <laughs> quite a like a cruisy day for me. But um, like I don't think. That will happen very often. So, um, yeah, I'll prepare for the worst again, I guess. Well, with that in mind, you know, you're coming up this weekend, you come back as defending champion. In many ways, you're kind of saying the perfect day, kind of went into it with a pretty lax attitude and it all just worked out perfectly for you. What changes this year as you go into this? Because obviously now mm. there's an expectation, you know, like how is it different this time and how do you – manage your emotions around that so yeah well i guess it's a different time of year as well so i last year i raced cans with the idea there would be no there's no racing after cans so we went into cans with a full like this this is it cans is then we take a nice break and build into the next year um but this year it's very different because so it's sort of the i've raced a couple of the early season races but this was pretty much the first big race of the year um and then, yeah, it's another big build into into Kona, which is like the main goal. So, um, yeah, I guess you don't try and put too much too much pressure on yourself. Um, then again, it's it's only it's it's an Ironman, so it's not really you can always you can, you can always come. It's not like an IT race where if you start feeling off at the start, you, your day is done. Whereas Ironman, you you go through so many different different waves and patches and stuff have formed throughout the day. So I guess it's just not, not overthinking, overthinking the day. Um, if you have a bad patch, you know, if your nutrition's right, you're always going to, you, you will most probably come out of it. Um, and I guess it's just managing, managing those things and realizing that's going to happen and not, um, not worrying about that too much and stressing out about that, I guess. Um, and yeah, I guess just, if you if you feel like you're still the dark horse, you'd make yourself sound like you're still the dark horse. Um, I guess that's a good way to do it. it takes the pressure off yourself, and um, that's how I feel. Most races, I don't know why, but that's what I feel. So, um, yeah, I think I like that. So, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. No. People know you now. No. Hey, um, do you do much competitor analysis? I mean, a lot of the guys you're going to be up against at the weekend, you probably raced quite a bit in Australia, likes of um, mm. Amberger and um, Burkle and, um, and then yeah. you've obviously got Mike Phillips, so I'm sure you've raced a couple of times. So do you do you worry too much about who's racing or do you, are you basically going in there just looking at it and, and worrying about your race or are you thinking, oh, if, if um, Amberger goes in the, the swim, I'm going to go with him and then try to hang on the bike? What, what do you sort of do with regards to competitor analysis? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you have to. Um, especially when you're racing for eight hours. Um, like I've raced, I've raced pretty much everyone on the start list. So you sort of know, you sort of know how everyone's tactics are and what they, um, what their, what their, what their like plan is. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you're not doing competitor analysis, you're, you're preparing to fail, I reckon. So, 
Um, yeah, there's obviously a lot of different things that could happen on race day. And so you got to have a couple of, you got to have a couple of different race plans. Um, cause you're not really planning to go solo off the front. So you're always pretty much going to have someone with you. Um, but yeah, I think having a, I like a race plan and having different scenarios with different athletes, um, what's going to happen is a good thing to have because then when you get to race day and one of those things is going to happen. So, um, yeah, having a couple of race plans is, I think, a, a good plan. And I've got this might be a bit of a weird question for you, but if you lined yourself up against somebody with you know, similar physical capabilities as you, so roughly the same swimmer, biker, runner, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think makes a difference for you in terms of you actually beating them? You know, um, what, yeah, what gets you made to be quicker than a person with the same sort of physical capabilities as you? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's just, I think it, it's just not, I think it would be knowing, knowing your body and, and knowing what, uh, well, I, I think on the run mainly would be a big one is just knowing what your limits are and like not just staying in control and be, being patient. I know, I know Burkle <laughs> last year was quite patient and, uh, he just he's a, he's a Kansas. His sort of is his event. He's he's podium there many a time, so he knows the knows the race like the back of his hand. I I think Ironman racing is really all about being patient, and some people just I just don't think can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think yeah, if you if you just if you just relax, be patient, um, and just yeah, I guess. I guess just know your limits, not not really ever go into that that red zone because um, that little red zone of five minutes can affect you two hours later. So, um, yeah, I guess just being patient would be would be something that, uh, yeah, quite be, Being an orienteer, I would hope you're, mm. not, you're going to be the one guy that's not going to get lost on the course. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Kansas <Yeah>. pretty <laughs> <laughs> just 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 a question around um you know because you in, in australia australia has a strong triathlon history and uh, but as you know we know now in the kind of long course game you don't really get much support do you you know from like governing bodies and stuff like that what is what, as a pro who's maybe maybe not coming from the traditional mm. places um what does it feel like do you have much support is there much camaraderie or you, is it very much kind of a solo experience um well I obviously started doing this sport in the ITU um, and I sort of just, I was in like the QAS, the AIS program sort of been coached there, but I literally never received a cent of support um, and our athletes around you were just getting all this sort of stuff. So I sort of grew up um, sort of knowing, knowing what it was like to do it on, on your own. Um, so I think it was just sort of, yeah, natural progression into into long course and long course is very much um, yeah going alone. But of course, you got a lot of people behind you. I feel like there's more more outside support, um, like from people and who 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 know the sport and respect respect what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I think long course is um, 
I think people get behind it more, to be honest, these days because age groupers can relate. No one really goes out there and does a ITU race. You can't really do it. It's very much just a professional sport. So, mm. like, you race on the same courses as all these age groupers. So, I mean, they can relate to exactly what you're doing. So, um, yeah. Nice. So, what's your mm. um, what's your plan for the rest of the season? You, you mentioned Kona, um, mm. which obviously that's a few months away yet. Uh, last year, you went over to Europe. You did the Girard Mere Triathlon. I've done that one before. It's if you ever want to look for a long course race, beautiful race, or at least it used that to be. One there. Of the, that's one of the all-timers, I reckon. That's a, that's a good race. Beautiful place, Gerard Mir. Um mm. And so, yeah, you went up to Europe last year. Obviously, things are a bit different this year. So what's your, mm. your build-up to Kona likely to look like, given that we don't necessarily know how things pan out from week to week? But what are you sort of hoping to do? Yeah, so, well, it's, it's a bit shit at the moment over here because – the government still is literally not letting people leave unless you get exemptions, which is, I find crazy. Like it's Australia. Why can't we leave if we want to leave? I still find that mm. complete crap. Anyway. Um, so we end up, I end up getting an exemption, um, but I've only got one support person with me for um, going overseas because that's the government literally doesn't let you go over if you don't have like a contract and a job. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got. I'm going overseas um, after Cairns, um, and we'll just base. I'm going to do Euro Champs a couple of weeks after Cairns, um, and then maybe another another seven point three somewhere in Europe, and then base myself over in uh, the teams like sort of um, summer base in Lanzarote in Sands Beach. Nice. Um, base over there, it's quite like Kona. It's like lava fields, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, base over there for like six or so weeks and then um, probably go to uh, – we're still unsure, but probably go to America, then race 7.3 Worlds with a bit of fatigue, I think, and then um, mainly all eyes will be on Kona though. So uh, um, after Cairns, it'll basically be a build to Kona mm. with a couple of <laughs> a couple of races in between and maybe Collins Cup, but it's not looking – who knows with that one. <laughs> I don't – nah. <laughs> I don't see it. I think Kona's just got that. It's just got the history, and there's no way that there's just I just there's no way that another event can take over. I just just like yeah, that there's a lot of money in it, but there's at the moment there's just no history, and I love what they're doing, but just the way that the way that Collins Cup works, I think is I'll probably get shot for this, but it's it's actually it's very. It's quite unfair um, and biased. I think they literally just get whoever they want. They, it's quite biased to what they, what field they want to race in Collins Cup. They'll make sure that they get there. I just feel like that's what it is because uh, the Aussies just don't get it easy. Like uh, I don't know, I don't know why, but they seem to just love the Euros and the Americans and the us Oceania guys and stuff get. Uh, get left behind like i i feel like the geelong and stuff like that were quite solid races like i've raced a fair bit and they were quite solid and i think steve got like 74 points for a win there running a 111 and riding quite good power like we we were riding pretty solid and then the next week i raced in shepparton uh we rode it was amberger one of the best swimmers and another kiwi one of the best swimmers in the world and then I think we rode like a 204 and I think I ran a 110 
and we still get like 74 points and the other guys are running like slower and riding slower and getting like 95, mm. 98. Well, I, I, I actually don't understand it and I hope they – I really hope they work on it because it's it's big money and um, to have an unfair ranking system like that, I, I, it doesn't make you feel great about it, but um, – I think they'll, they'll get they are eyeing the kinks out. I think in the next coming years, but yeah, I'd, at the moment it's still for me. Would and I think most athletes would be Kona, um, but yeah, Collins Cup, big money. So Torsten, if you're listening, give us give us some response to Max uh, Max's questions there because he he helps out with the points going there. But I, I totally agree. I'm I'm looking at your points there and mm-hmm. seventy four point nine nine for Challenge Shepparton because I was going to bring that up earlier. You ran a yeah. one ten, um, and yes, yeah, yeah. so I was sort of scratching my head there. And uh, and we, we had a discussion either on last week's show or next week's show. I think it might be um, just mm-hmm. around yeah some some interesting ways to get the points um calculated but anyhow mm. in terms of mm. um if, if athletes want to follow you um you're part of the bmc team now is that correct yeah yeah for the last two years so sweet yeah so, you, can, you can follow uh they got a they got a nice little instagram page and uh yeah it's it's um it's quite actually quite good being part of a team so when it's in quite a sol- it's quite a solo sport being part of a team it makes you Makes you feel like you're, um, yeah, you got like someone backing you and always has your back, and yeah, you always got you got the best gear, and yeah, it's um, and, and it's what, very good to, have, to be honest. What you're gonna find out in Kona is the team BMC put on the best breakfast spread for all the me- uh, for the media. We go there for morning tea. Be- Bevan yeah. and I, we, we might we might come and interview you, but uh, chances are we'll just be pig- pigging out at the buffet. Well, you're going. <laughs> First I'll have it. I'm a big fan of buffets too, so <laughs> nice buffets, <laughs> well, Awesome. Well, all the best the rest of the season. We're looking forward to seeing how you go this weekend. We're we're yeah. hoping Mike Phillips is gonna give you a good run for our money. He's one of our local lads. So Yeah, I'll race him many times. Yes, all the best for this weekend and uh and we look forward to seeing you smashing it in Kona. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Week. Ninety-six. Uh, I'm going to bring in a new criteria, Bevan, to be to be wanger of the week. You have to do. You've got to do. Let's say at least. I'm going to say ten activities. Because you get, we're going to get these people that do these crazy long races. I'm going to give them a plug this week because this is this is noteworthy. Who's actually number one? You, you get ready for number ninety-six. Eamon pipe, uh, pipe, pipe grass. He did thirty-one hours and thirty minutes from two activities. I thought, what the hell is going on there? And that's why I'm giving. Okay, the, 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 what he's done is, is fairly impressive, and he's um, he did a running race. This, this is Eamon Pepgrass. Uh, if he's in the UK, where is he from? In the UK, he is from Heppenden in Hertfordshire in the UK, and he did a running race at the weekend, which looks like the Grand Union Canal Canal Race 2021. 
He ran 241.91 kilometers, which took him 34 hours and 33 minutes. That doesn't deserve. He doesn't deserve it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's actually. I'm going to give him a bit of love. He's posted all these quick these pictures up there. So it's obviously a race where you're following um, a canal from looks like from London to Birmingham, uh, and. He's got a picture, obviously, with his partner or his wife there when he starts. These dudes at the start have all got their masks on um, before they start. I'm going to say there's about 30 or so there ready to go. And then he's got pictures of him running along a canal. We've got pictures with this couple of swans. Oh, some beautiful barges. And he's part of the Harpenden Arrows. And he's got one of his support crew out there. This looks like a bloody long race, but very pretty, just running along canals all day. Nice work. Number 96, number 96. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like doing a rap test. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just each month more and more and more. Uh, yeah, that's it. I've not seen that before. Winger of the week. Good answers. Uh, so first thing is I'd say staying out of town is usually going to be cheaper but you'll not likely need a rental car so Kona's not a big place but then if you've got a rental car you might be better off staying in town and just walking around because in the days leading into the race having a rental car in Kona is as much of a hindrance as it is a help because there's next to no parking it's a nightmare so your options if you do want to stay out of town is going down the road to Waikoloa which is mainly or Manlani, which is mainly uh, sort of resorty type places that aren't that cheap anywhere so if you're price sensitive then um, it's nice down there but you are going to have to drive um, you know, about 50 kilometers into town whenever you want to come in and do any of the activities that they've gone um, got on during the week another option which I think might be a little bit better is going down to Kehoe which is at the end of Ali'i Drive you can find some slightly cheaper sort of places down there and um, it's just sort of biking distance um, to get back into town and it's just got a bit more of the aloha sort of feel. It's a bit more Hawaiian rather than just going and staying in a standard hotel. So it kind of depends what you want. Um, but one thing I will say is I'm sort of getting ready to book up for my camp next year for the 70.3. So if people are interested, actually the 70.3 is on this weekend in Hawaii. So this time next year I'll have the camp in Hawaii and the 70.3 
all things going um, to plan. But the feedback I'm getting from the accommodation providers over there is things are going to be way more expensive. So I'm not sure if the same will apply to Kona this year, but um, the prices they're quoting me are significantly more than usual. So I guess people are trying to re re well, they're trying to recoup and catch up for what they've missed out on this year. And um, and apparently cheaper uh, well I, I don't know but apparently it's very very busy yeah. in hawaii at the moment good old dave duan dr feelgood's over there and uh people are all the americans are just flocking there because i guess you can't really travel to the rest of the world so probably a case of supply and demand i imagine um you, uh, brent's second question was uh and the answer is uh, not very easy. It's uh, particularly difficult. So you basically got to, if you're in a car, you got to park and then you're walking or biking for the rest of the day. Bike is by far the best option. Uh, there's not many roads around Kona and the roads uh, that they use for Ironman are obviously closed off for traffic. So you're pretty much on a bike, which is another reason to stay in town. So my advice Brent would be to um, take a bike over there. It's pretty hard to hire bikes unless you get in really, really early. Um, um, and then you can just bike around and use that as your main mode of transport. Uh, it's a corner, uh, it's basically a hot corner, so it's a corner of Palani and uh, Kuakini, and that's a great place. You've got to get up there before so your results, the athletes you know, even swim, you know, and then you get a couple of takes off them at the start um, of the bike. You've had some about, really good results, you know, and, and there's a couple of two questions I have here. One is, which one are you most proud of? But you're a really good case of COVID must have been so frustrating for you because, mm. you know, you look into the back half of 2019, you, you know, you had three wins, a second in Taupo, 70.3, fourth at Noosa. You know, you're having a really strong second half of 2019. COVID comes along, you come along, you win Kens. Yeah, so you know, there's like, only one option really first to go. Of all, what, what race are you proud of? Like and big hill emotionally, has been tough for you because you're obviously going to that next level in your career sort of and it's been this road, big kind of and then thing that's drop down. Your there's two places you can drop down, and both of them, as Bevan said, you're going to see a snap of the athletes going past at very high speeds, and it's a mission to get back. So you're pretty much right mm. off the bike ride uh, and just, as Bevan said, just go and relax and enjoy the day. Um, and you've got to remember if you're going to stick around and watch the age groupers come out of the swim, you know, you're going to be at the start of the bike ride for, for quite some time. It's a rolling start and it's spread out quite a bit. So um, yeah, you probably have you know, three hours, I guess, to kill um, to go and watch the bike somewhere.
Exactly. So the next question from Brent was, is there a place uh, that people go to relax or take a break if it's not easy for them to get back to their hotel? Oh, really? So as we even said, it's quite a few cafes. Lava Java is always a good spot. And the reason why it's a good spot is you can kind of hang out there, watch the race, but also the early part of the run come, comes past there. And it's uh, got a bit of shade because you do get bloody hot out there. It's hard work spectating, Bevan. Uh, so it's a good place to watch the start of the run because it's about, it's probably about, maybe a mile to two k's into the run so by the time they actually get there um things have kind of just settled down whereas and, and the big crowds are right in town so you can find a nice spot and you can actually see the athletes coming and then they'll come back past there um after about 10 to 15 k's so um you just get to hang out there for a while mm. And the, but the one other spot that is good to go and watch, and we sometimes uh, head down there, is onto Palani Hill, um, which is uh, you know, is a mid midway point on the run, and then you actually get to see the athletes. Well, it's not entirely true because a lot of people blow up. So we watch the, the start of the so bike you're, ride. You're, um, you're pretty wise. Sometimes actually. on the uh, on the run, and then you get uh, it, it's a very good position to see what sort of shape the athletes are in. It's a tough hill. It's around about mm. 500 meters long at a pretty decent gradient. And so you see some athletes walking up there, some pro athletes walking up, and you know it's kind of that crunch point. Sometimes it's the point where athletes capitulate and uh, and you go, they're only going backwards from that point on. And if you see athletes running quite strongly up the hill, you're thinking they may well run through the field. So Brent's final question, has I am talk state out of town during race week and how did you guys handle it? I'm looking at a hotel along the Queen K near Waikoloa, but it's 40 k's out um, from where the race is. So out there, it is going to be quieter. So a lot of pro athletes do like staying out there um, because you can you can do your, all your swim, bike and run. You're away from the razzmatazz and the hoo-ha in town. It is very much resort style sort of places okay. out there. So you, you pay extra for that. But as we said earlier, difficult on race day to get in. If you're an athlete, it's not such a bad thing necessarily because then you're just driving in, you're parking and you're going to be racing and then driving out. Um, you may well have to take a diversion um, on the way out of town, depending on how speedy you are and if the bike ride's finished. Uh, it's also difficult if you want to do race week activities, you know, quite a bit of driving involved to come in. If you want to do Parade of Nations, Underpants Run, all those sorts of things, um, you're going to be driving up and down. Uh, however, I would say that this year is probably going to be, you'd assume it's going to be quite a bit different with COVID in terms of uh, all those sort of things going to be going ahead in terms of um, yeah, Underpants Run and whether they're just going to be trying to do, do the race and, and not much else, um, kind of pretty early and, and hard to tell at this stage although it looks like in america based off watching a i didn't watch the indie cars but the indie cars was on at the weekend i think they had like a hundred thousand people watching or something so yeah so uh I, I, my advice brent and to others going if you've got a choice of going to kona any year I reckon this year is probably not the year to go and i'd save it up when it's going to be uh maybe the world's back to a little bit more normal and my advice around accommodation would be to either stay somewhere in town or uh, down sort of the Kehoe area, uh, just so then you can be cruising around on a bike rather than driving. Mm.
That, lots of that. Uh, oh dear, people, been, been a long morning already. <laughs> uh, Joseph the Star Wolinski. And Mark the Missile Scudamore. Bevan, you, you're just back from Australia. You, you've missed, or you've come back, you've missed the big rain. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, it does, which is what mo a lot of our well, region looks like. We've had like this weekend, you come back two and a half days of continuous field kind of rain, and there's a perfect day, kind of wind pretty nice attitude, and it all just worked out perfectly for you. What changes yeah. this year as you go into this? Because obviously now there's an expectation. I, I, it's just come, the sun's you know, coming like, up now, so how's I don't know, the different this time? Yeah, I've had to empty my pool a couple of times. My pool was overflowing, and yeah, it's been a lot of rain. So that's been the big event in Christchurch that you've missed out, Bevan. And the other big event from the weekend was I went uh, go-kart racing with my son and with, with the kids. Well, I, I, I will say I was a number one ranked athlete in both the races we did, but, but, but I was racing a bunch of kids. Uh, and the problem was I haven't done go-kart. I've only done go-kart racing a couple of times, uh, but we were racing in with the kids. And so they restricted the speed you could get on the, these uh, carts. And you're trying to pass people, and it was a real challenge, but bloody good fun. It's um, yeah, real good fun. So that was that was the highlight of my weekend. Very vaguely. Mm. Hmm. 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 Yeah, nice. Oh, yeah, it's great fun. Great fun. That's about it, Bevan. I think uh, no, racing cars, rain, that was sort of the weekend over here. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. 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 
Now, that's very similar to when we were there at the Commonwealth Games that told everybody to leave town, uh, all the locals. And so the same thing, yeah, you, you, you can only handle about four or five hours there because you're just so stuck from doing all the rides. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Father approval, pass. You just didn't did pass on A+. Plus. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Hope he's not a listener of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I tell you one thing with our kids that I've, I'm gonna live to regret this. I rent, I finally succumbed this week, and I let them buy a uh, PS4. So they're buying it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not paying for it. But we have very restrictive we're getting the old PS4 because we're cheap asses in this family. Uh, the kids, the kids pay for it, so it's theirs. But they have very restricted hours when they're allowed to use it. They're hardly, yeah, they're not going to be on there much at all. But there's going to be a lot of fights around that. <laughs> no, we have times they're not allowed on till a particular time, and they've got to be off by a particular time. And if they're not, boom, you need to lose it for the next next time. So we'll see how that goes. It's as good. Yeah. Yeah, no, they get a little bit of time at the weekends, but on school days won't be already be any. So, but I'm looking forward to it as well. So it's like I'm reneging because you guys have just been badgering me. But I kind of <laughs> want to play some games myself. Well, the guy, he's got he's going to get Formula just, One. Just he's going to get Tour de France um, one. And uh, you so know, because in, in Australia, Australia has a strong triathlon history. And uh, but as you know, we know now in the kind of You're long genius. game, you don't really get much support. Genius. You know, from like governing bodies and stuff like that. What is what, as a yeah. pro? Who <laughs> there might not be any podcasts. What's John doing? Traditional uh, places. Don't PS4 again. Um, what does it feel like? Do you have much support? Is there much camaraderie, or you, is it very much kind of a solo experience for you? Crazy huge, so uh, see where it leads to. Iron Russ, train hard, Kia car. <laughs> 